Welcome to another edition of the Tell Me More podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore, and it's going to be wrestling again. I haven't had time to put together any of the movie ones, but wrestling's been exciting, and we just got done with the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, and it was three Hell in the Cells, so that was that was pretty exciting. Bringing back Wade again. How's it going, Wade? Hey, buddy. So we're going to get into this and we're going to, you know, we always go over an hour and we'll probably go over an hour on this one too. I'm not going to lie about it, but let's try to get off to a good start. And as I mentioned, three Hell in a Cell matches at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And I, I, I think obviously one of the issues that, you know, you always have to bring up is it's Hell in a Cell in the PG era. Yeah. Which is... It, it's just completely different than, you know, what it was before that. The level of brutality is clearly not going to be there. And so to make it more than just scenery, to make the cell mean something, uh, it's very tough. It's very tough for the performers. And, you know, we'll get into your opinion on it, but I'll, I'm just going to throw out mine really quick. There were three matches, and I felt like they made each one memorable in some way which pretty much defies the odds. It's almost impossible. One, because the first match, of the, well, just the, the way that they had to do it, we've talked about different booking decisions, having you know WWE championship matches at the beginning of the night. And in this case, there wasn't really much to do. They had already hyped up Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. That was going to be the main event. Uh, there wasn't really any way around that. So obviously, they put the Universal Championship match uh, in the middle, uh, trying to just, you don't want back-to-back-to-back hell in the cells. And so they opened up the night with the Roman Reigns-Rusev match, which it's Roman Reigns, but it was a good match. Yeah. Uh, uh, they found a way to be as brutal as possible. You have some memorable moments with, you know, the I, 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 the still steps when, you know, it's always the still steps. Just throw yeah. them into the still steps and pretend that that's cool. Uh, and it's fine. Uh, but when they took the still steps and they put it onto the turnbuckle and then they just went back to fighting for a while, I had forgot the still steps were there <laughs> and I forget whether it was Roman or whether it was Rusev that got thrown into it. I feel oh, like it was yeah, Roman. I don't remember. I feel like it was Roman, but the still steps just shoot up, just flip three times yeah. in the air as they bounce off the side of the cage. And I was like, okay, that that's the way to do that. And then as Rusev is, you know, setting up, clearly he's going to end up losing to Roman Reigns, but he's, you know, beating the crap out of him with the chain. I think the chain is stupid just because the only way you're able to hit anybody with it, I mean, it it doesn't look as brutal no. as they think it does. No, it's like Triple uh, H's sledgehammer. It just doesn't look as good as it should. But when he used it to choke uh, Roman Reigns during the camel clutch, I mean, at the very least, it's like visually a great image yeah. that they can show again and again when they show the match. Roman had like picked up Rusev off the camel clutch and had him on his back, and I was like, "Oh my God, do the do do the attitude adjustment, do do yeah. the F five <laughs> onto the still steps." And instead, he does the Samoan drop, and then I, I, the spear was pretty good off of uh, the still steps. Yeah. Uh, if you stop Roman Reigns from being the worst at selling moves ever, that's actually a, it was a really good match in my opinion. Wade, what did you think of the match? Um, I enjoyed the match. Um, I thought all three Hell in a Cell matches were good. Um. It was it was a good like it's as brutal as it can be like like you said with the PG era like we're not gonna have any more Mick Foley's getting tossed off the cage through the cage anything like that um, so it's not gonna be as good as they used to be I guess um, but I 
considering what they have to work with now, I I, I thought it was a really good match. Um, the the only th- thing like, like Rusev hitting him in the chest with that kendo stick was making me crazy. Like either stop hitting him in the chest or rip off that flak jacket that Roman Reigns gets. Like he's the only one that gets away with wearing pads on his <laughs> on on his back and and front. Um, but besides that one, like that that was my only bitch about the whole thing was like quit hitting him in the chest when he's clearly got a big pad on there. But like it is PG now. They're not going to be hitting him in the head with anything. The kendo stick's not a chair. Um, so seeing what they had to work with, good match. So, like I said, if Roman could tell, uh, I thought not just a good match. I might, I might've argued that actually, I'm, I'm just going to tell you before I get there, I'm trying to start a theme here. I think that would have been a five-star match if Roman could sell. Yeah. On the next match, we're going to talk about universal championship. And obviously, you know, Wade, you have a lot invested in this. Uh, so KO versus Seth Rollins, another match that once again, it was really good. It was a and good match. I feel like sometimes I'm biased because I feel like if somebody else was in this match, I might have got upset at it. But the Chris Jericho sneaking in yeah. after Kevin Owens, you know, uses the fire extinguisher on the ref, mm-hmm. not great, but they they sold it. Yeah. And you know, another another way to get Chris Jericho involved, uh, I think, in terms of the ways to you know make it less than just one, you know, just a normal match, like obviously. Find a way to make the Hell in the Cell impactful for what's happening. And that's a sort of cheap way to do it, but I think they did it very well. And then, uh, once again, we we can go back to the different podcasts we've done, and I'm probably on an island here. I haven't seen any Seth Rollins match that I really, like, loved. Oh, really? I'm not a big Seth Rollins guy. There hasn't been a moment that really, like... And part of it is the personality, you know, he, they, he, he hasn't figured out something that mm-hmm. truly clicks in yeah. terms of the personality when you're running around looking like a power ranger, those kind of things upset <laughs> me. The, 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 the hair, you know, just partially, you know, uh, he colored past it. I know, but, but those, <laughs> those things are really annoying and he never, yeah. he's never gotten into a story since then that's worked. He hasn't been a very good villain and his face at this point, I thought it was a good turn, but he yeah. hasn't been a great face, even yeah. in the face of two great heels in what Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho have been doing for the last few months. So there hasn't been, you know, people say they love his in-ring work stuff, but once again, I'm one of those guys, I, I like the finish, yeah. and when your finish is a shitty pedigree, uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of takes me out of it. But I think that was one. Rollins did a great job of, like working both people kevin owens and chris jericho Mm -hmm. and a lot of times you see where you know it's it's it kind of like breaks up the match like either getting attacked randomly by the extra person who comes in or you trying to like you know leave the per like he's about to give kevin owens uh pedigree and he breaks off to go attack chris jericho he did a great job of keeping both involved throughout that entire process and i i thought it was i thought it was a really good match and that's where i get to my final criticism of it uh if Rollins finisher wasn't the pedigree that would have been a five-star match yeah. at least on the grading on a curve for the PG era let me add that in for both of these yeah. uh saying it's a five-star for the PG era curve and you're trying to put on a Hell in Cell match though that that's the biggest problem if if Rollins had something that wasn't the pedigree because when he uh even when he did the power bomb to Kevin Owens through the two tables that yeah, are set up to the outside awesome, man I mean and they they fucked it up you know they like he uh couldn't get Kevin Owens up when yeah. he was doing it and so Kevin Owens did everything he could to, yeah. to, to get back up there <laughs> and you know it could have been a moment that kind of messed it up and instead you know they were still good enough payoff and 
by the end of the match, I, I was satisfied. Wade, what did you think of that Hell in the Cell match? I loved it. Um, like once again, seeing what they have to work with, I wasn't expecting anything crazy, but uh, that table spot was fantastic. Um, Kevin Owens beat the hell out of him with that chair. Like it's been a long time since I've seen chair shots that like that hard. So that that felt great. Um, I love uh the Kevin Owens and Jericho's little like double team finisher they've been doing, little pop up code breaker. I guess like what that would be. I I I think that's awesome looking. Um. It was a great match. Um, like my only like the only thing like I-, I wish Jericho maybe wouldn't have come out, but that's just because I like Kevin Owens so much. Like I just want to see him beat up Seth Rollins. But I get it. Like especially with, with like the two best friends stuff they're doing right now, it was inevitable he was going to come out. I actually thought he was just going to be hiding under the ring. But then when I saw um, when I saw him uh, break out the fire extinguisher, I was like, oh okay. Like I, I kind of know what's coming now. Um, but it was great. Like it was a really fun match. Um, I like it. I, th- I think I think Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins have really good uh, in-ring chemistry together. Like I think I think um, like uh, under a different storyline, maybe just like an actual one-on-one match between the two that doesn't involve a title or anything. I think that would probably be really great. Um, I think they're great. I love them. I like them both. I like to add with the the chair. That was another part of Seth Rollins working it. Where normally it's just you know either. You know, they screw up and he beats them both down with the chair. But it was an actual back and forth of, you know, first Seth Rollins getting hit. Then he snatches the the chair, starts hitting Chris Jericho with it, starts hitting Kevin Owens. At some point, Kevin Owens just has to come in and knock the crap out of Seth Rollins to stop him. Like that whole like portion of the match could have been the lame thing that we've normally seen, especially because the steel chairs aren't the same when you're not able to hit him in the head. No. And they they're. They do it for good reason, you know, worried about the concussions. But to keep going back to the chairs, it's very difficult to make that impactful. Like, mm-hmm. just hitting them off their back is, it's fine, but it it's not as big of a pop. Yeah, and, and, and Rollins kind of like, in, in, instead of just going like, oh, like, standing up with the, leaned over and just taking a straight shot to the back like you see most people do, he was kind of on his side, taking it mostly to the shoulder, and it just looked better. It looked more violent. Um and I mean that's why we're watching a cage match is to, is to see some violence. Like that's why we're watching wrestling because wrestling's violent, and um it was great. Like like considering what they have to work with, once again, great match. I liked it a lot. And now we're gonna get to the Charlotte versus Sasha Banks main event, the first ever. First, I mean, there's been other ones where they've had the title match as mm-hmm. the main event, right? They've done that before, not just on Raw. Um, I think they did it on Raw, and they had done it on maybe NXT, but I think this is maybe the first pay-per-view that they've uh, that the women have headlined. So so first one headlining, at, at, at the very least we know for sure, first Hell in a Cell between two female wrestlers, and <laughs> this is my turn on the theme. Uh, I got what I wanted. Yeah. And that's probably the reason it wasn't a five-star match. <laughs> um, to, to start out, if you guys were listening last week, or not last week, whenever the heck we recorded the post uh, No Mercy podcast and we were talking about, we're doing a mini preview for Hell in the Cell. I said that the best way for this match to happen, Charlotte probably needs to win, but at the very least needs to beat the living hell out of Sasha Banks. Yeah. And although that set up a good spot in the beginning, uh, you know, Charlotte attacks her before she comes in, mm-hmm. ends up putting her through the table, yeah. and then they need to put her on the stretcher, 
And, you know, she, right before they give the belt to Sha- Charlotte through forfeit, Sasha Banks says, hell nah, and jumps <laughs> up, comes back into the Hell in the Cell, and the match is off. The issue being there, and, you know, they, they try to do it. It's part of storytelling. The, the injury, you know, to her back from, you know, what Charlotte did to her before the match. But that's two times in a row that Charlotte versus Sasha Banks, most of the match has to deal with one of them walking around half crippled. Uh, I would say that the the last time uh, that would have been, that was SummerSlam, right? Where Sasha got, Sasha yeah. got injured. Uh, that one being probably a real injury that they, you know, just kind of make, made it through anyways. And it ruined the match. And in this one, I, it should have been her getting hurt. Sure. But when she goes into the, hell in the cell then it should have just been on like donkey kong yeah but there's still a level of the match that's going slow because it's one of the participants injured and then they still had some really good spots you know you had the the uh the monkey flip into the cage that charlie did that probably did hurt sasha yeah uh, pretty bad and you know they beat the living hell out of each other and then in the end charlotte gets the win uh i just if that if they weren't slow so slowed down from what was that spot at the beginning mm-hmm. trying to show that Sasha was you know really hurt from that yeah I think it could have been a five star match it it was still a really good match Wade what did you think um I thought it was a pretty good match uh m- my problem with it like w- w- was just that like when you were watching them like like at the very beginning when Charlotte's get you know power bombs her through the table there was just like it, it was just a little off like, like like she wasn't quite as low as she needed to be and so it just looked awkward now, now we're just instead of you know watching charlotte power bomber we're watching sasha climb on her shoulders first to get power bombed and there was just like little things like that throughout the whole match that where they they just weren't quite clicking or like a couple spots where the, they were just being a little too dainty with each other if, if that's an appropriate word um like for the first ever women's Hell in a Cell match, I'll say it was it was it was very good. But as an overall Hell in a Cell match, not great. Um, th- there was just like the Mick Foley spot, like oh where she's hurt and now they're gonna drag her out. But no, nope, she's coming back. Like we all saw that coming. But then th- she kicks the shit out of the paramedics. <laughs> like like that was odd. That was awesome. I, I yeah, I'm disagreeing like with you right now. <laughs> All right, so I, I'll preface this with saying when Charlotte was, like, trying to stand over Sasha as mm-hmm. she's laying on the broken announcer's table, yeah. the thing I kept saying it to my brother, like, six times, I'm like, Charlotte needs to beat the shit out of one of the refs. Yeah. Like, first of all, she's the heel, so it's better. It ends up, the only thing about Sasha beating up the paramedic was that Sasha's the face. Yeah. And so it doesn't quite make sense. And she did, she kicked him again after she already had a path into yeah. the cave. <laughs> just, you know, just one last <laughs> one. One, one last one to remember me by. But no, Charlotte should have been the one that knocked the crap out of the paramedic that kept getting in the way. And she, there, there was no additional <laughs> attack on Charlotte as she's laying there. Yeah. That, for Charlotte setting up one of the greatest heel runs of, you know, women's wrestling. That would have been perfect. Yeah. There is no way that Charlotte should have gone back into the cage without having beat up Sasha one more time after that power bomb. Yeah. Uh, so that, that annoyed me. Uh, and then, you know, it wasn't Charlotte that did it, but I was still totally psyched when Sasha beat the crap out of the paramedic. That, especially the, the last kick, I laughed hysterically. I like Charlotte. Like, I think she's like a phenomenal athlete. Phenomenal. I, th- I think she's a great athlete, but I, I'm, I'm really over her being a heel. 
um, like j- just because like w- when you watch her heel promos, like she every time she goes out there and the crowd starts to boo her, she, like like if you watch the Raw following Hell in a Cell, like when her and Bailey were in the ring cutting a promo, she was like on the verge of tears the entire promo, and like. I've just noticed that every time, you know, oh, she loses the title, but then she comes back to the pay-per-view and wins it again, and then she comes out there and tries to cut a heel promo. As soon as the crowd starts booing her, you can just watch the tears well up in her eyes. And, like, I guess she's a flare. Like, the flares are known for crying, but, um, like, you can't be a heel and be out there with crocodile tears on your face. Like, she needs to get it together if she's going to be a heel. I, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't like it when she cries as part of the script. Yeah. That upsets me the most is like them building it in that she's just supposed to be upset. And it's like that shouldn't be there. But there is something that it's it's almost like the fans finally actually help with making a a storyline go better. Charlotte as like the heel that's coming out and needs to keep telling herself that she's the best and she doesn't need anybody, mm-hmm. but clearly does. I think is a much, that's a storyline you can't even write. Like it writes itself. And when it happens, I love it. I think it's great. Oh. I don't like when they write it in for yeah. her to cry and you can tell cause she's not good at it. No. Uh, and she's so much better. She, she almost cries anyway. So like, I don't know why they need to write it in for it. Bailey was like, like almost complimentary towards her when she came out and was just like, oh, you know, you know, you, we used to be a part of a group and now you're women's champion. And you just watched Charlotte over there just <laughs> like, like, like lip quivering, eyes welling up with tears. I'm like, like, no, like you're the bad guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. But yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I disagree in terms of the way to tell it. But since you had brought that up, uh, this was at the end of my list, but I'm going to jump into uh, that right now. Uh, Bailey versus Dana Brooke. That was a crazy good match considering it was, you know, the, the second women's match of the night, you yeah. know, the secondary women's match, obviously it came first, but between Bailey and Charlotte's protege, how often do you get a good match out of the protege character? Yep. Usually they're just there sucking for a while and they just take up FaceTime and then eventually they have to step in the ring and do something. And Dana Brooke can actually wrestle. And between her and Bailey actually put on a really good match. Wade, what did you think of that match? Um, I think it's the the, the best uh, match I've seen Dana Brooke ever have. Um, I really haven't like seen much from her. Like I saw her a little bit in NXT and like most most of the stuff I know from her since she's come to Raw and like I haven't been impressed at all. But uh it was pretty good. Like I'll give I guess I'm giving credit to Bailey. Like I don't think I've seen Bailey have a bad match yet. Um the the matches she had with Sasha Banks were fantastic. Um, so like all in all, great. Like it was it was nice to see Dana Brooke have a good match, and like maybe that's a sign that uh Bailey is gonna be like like one of those like Bret Hart type people that can just kind of go out there and like they can have a good match with almost anybody. Um, I hope so. Like I don't know. I just crush on Bailey every time. <laughs> every time we have it, and I don't even know why I have such a crush on her. But she's she's just dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean. I haven't seen enough. Like I said, you know, this has been a year of me fully getting back into wrestling and I didn't even start watching NXT regularly until the last few weeks. And now ugh, I hate myself so I just much. Watch the pay-per-views. That's the only thing I can watch. So much time spent watching WWE yeah, uh, entertainment so in so many different ways. And, you know, obviously I- I'm stuck now with my girlfriend watching uh, like Total Bellas and everything <laughs> else. My life is terrible. But uh, 
No, I haven't seen Dana Brooke enough. I didn't watch them coming. I didn't even watch the other the the four horsewomen of NXT. I didn't watch them coming up. Uh, Dana Brooke, I I guess I just didn't even pay attention enough when she's with Charlotte. Like I didn't yeah. like that. Those would be one of the matches as you used to say. You just fast forward through. Yeah. But so uh, I don't fast forward. I just I'm on the computer, so I'm just kind of looking back up, and I'm not really paying too much attention to it. But no, like uh, from that match, I mean Bailey must must be that Bret Hart type if. If that's the case, if she really is a wrestler that hasn't put up good performances before, because mm-hmm. no, she looked good. Like the yeah. stuff she was doing, and she did it. You know, it's physical because she's supposed to be stronger than Bailey. And in spots, she she looked as good as Bailey. And I, I that was a that was a weird thing. And like I said before, I don't have like a lot of ones that I've seen coming up, so I kind of have that connection. That was just straight up. I'm I have no uh, emotional attachment to either Bailey. Or Dana Brooke, yeah. and I was like, "Wow, that that was actually a really good women's match. That would have been a good main event women's match, not like main event, but like the the top women's match, the women's championship match. That could have been a good women's championship match. I I, yeah. I don't know. That's 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 the way I saw <laughs> it when I was watching it. We're gonna jump to the Gallows Anderson versus Enzo and Big Cass match. Wade, how surprised were you to see? That Gallows and Anderson <laughs> won a paper. Oh my match. god, I was so shocked that they actually won. Um, like, forget the match. Like, just the fact that they won, I was like, like, oh no way! Like, that might be their first win. <laughs> um, I was, I was happy. Um, I, I'm, I was really, really shocked they went over uh, Enzo and Cass because, like, I, the way I was looking at it was Enzo and Cass were on their way to the titles. That, um. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, maybe New Day loses them, and then Enzo and Cass get them, because I guess they're all faces. They're really not going to have them face each other. So maybe that's why they lost, is to maybe put the club back up there. Are they still the club? Uh, they just never Gallows been said. It's just Gallows and <laughs> I have not seen the club since they yeah. uh, went off since from AJ Styles. Split. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was good to see a win. I hope you see we see more wins from them, because... Um, I just have yet to see any of the potential that Gallows and Anderson have. Like in Japan, they were killers, man. They were awesome. Like Gallows has just had this career. Like with he he was garbage with WWE when he started. Then he went to TNA, which is just a garbage company. And then he went to like uh, Ring of Honor in Japan and with the Bullet Club, and actually like found himself and like has got to be pretty successful as you know being booked as a badass. And, like, they've just been kind of, like, clown shoes since they've come to the WWE. So it's kind of good to see them kicking ass again, getting wins. Um, I really like Gallows and Anderson a lot. So I, I was very happy. Um, I-, I think I'm, like, I would like them a lot more than Enzo and Cass, but Enzo's just so good, man. Enzo is maybe the most charismatic person I've seen come to the WWE. I don't want to say ever, but in a long, long time, Enzo is Enzo's great on the mic. Yeah, I, I really enjoy Enzo, and I think, you know, two things. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If Enzo could wrestle, like, even a tiny bit better, yeah. it would be amazing. If if he was in the, you know, steroid era, mm-hmm. even, <laughs> you yeah. could see how he could be a much better wrestler. But I wanted Enzo and Cass to be kind of like the same relationship that, like, Shawn Michaels and Diesel had when they first came. Um with you know like Enzo being you know the bodyguard not well Cass being the yeah. bodyguard and Enzo being you know the flamboyant Shawn Michaels character I thought that would be great but it seems like like Cass gets more of a push than Enzo does like as a wrestler they have him coming in it's mostly Enzo gets the shit kicked out of him tag in Cass he comes in there cleans house gives everyone a big boot and a big elbow drop and and you know that's the end 
Um, but Enzo's good enough. Like he's good enough on the mic that you, I, I, I can almost get past him in the ring. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, it, I don't even know if it's so much them making it where big cast does. I mean, you don't have a lot of options in terms of what Enzo is capable of in the ring. You know, he's a smaller wrestler who's not uber athletic. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's not a lot he can do that's super entertaining once he's in the ring. You know, it's it's the setup before that. He can dance around, shuffle his feet. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, the, the most entertaining thing he does is Big Cass chucking him at people. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it's tough because, you know, it's the same way, you know, uh, you know, thinking back to, like, high school football where you saw, like, there's some guys who were better football players, but the ones who played were the big guys. Like, it didn't even matter if they were dumb as shit and didn't yeah. know what to do out there. It's like, which one's more likely to go play Division Three football? That's the one who's going to start on Friday because you're tiny and you're going to get blown over by some, you know, huge monster that we run into. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Big Cass. When you look at him, it's like, it's not even who's better now. It's like, who's got the higher ceiling? And, you know... It's most likely that Big Cass isn't going to turn into a you know a really good superstar for the WWE, but he's got the build right now. He's getting the hell of the push by being right there with Enzo, and if you keep letting him work at it, who knows what that can turn into? So I understand why they kind of give Cass the bigger push, despite Enzo being the bigger draw right now. Uh, but I, I I thought the the one of the things we had talked about why uh, Gallows and Anderson should have been allowed to beat New Day was that. New Day, they, you know, they're made men. They're they're perfectly fine. Losing the match does not hurt them in no, any way, but it gives all. a huge, huge bump to the person that beats them. You know, unless you do it in some kind of you know non-finish way where they don't win the titles, and we'll get that to that in a minute. Uh, but <laughs> in zone big cast, I think in a very similar way, it's right there. The the fans aren't gonna like stop cheering for them each week and stop doing their yeah. chants because they lost. So that was another that was another good way to do it. Uh, I'm not. I don't know. I guess with uh, the way WWE works and the way Vince McMahon looks at talent, he's not really taking into account, you know, what did Gallows Anderson do in New Japan? It's what did you do for me? Yeah. And the showing from the two, you know, I would say a lot of the blame goes on WWE, but it hasn't been good enough to necessarily be the champions. So I can understand why if you want to get them the bump, you do it through end zone big cast rather than letting them take the belts. I guess McMahon didn't even realize that Gallows was Festus. (laughs) No, that makes sense. I can believe that story. That's what I heard. uh, I think Carl Anderson was telling the story. He's like, oh yeah, but McMahon didn't even remember who he was. (laughs) He was there like twice. You know, he had to be uh, fake Kane too. Fake Kane before that. Yeah, he was in the straight edge society. All of that. So in Mc, just not in McMahon's head. I've never seen you before, pal. <laughs> That's hilarious. But we'll we'll jump to that one. We had a we had the cruiserweight one too. But we'll just we'll just get to the New Day versus Cesaro and Sheamus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should have known something funky was gonna happen with you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so sure enough, Cesaro and Sheamus do get the win, but in a non-finish that keeps the belt for the New Day. Honestly, that was. A, that was another one. I, I went to take a piss. Uh, so, <laughs> you know what? Did Kofi uh, hit somebody to get him disqualified? So, um, Sheamus was outside of the ring, and I believe he hit Xavier Woods with the trombone. And then after he did, which would have been a disqualification, but the ref didn't see that, but Kofi did. And then uh, so Kofi in turn gave him the uh, Trouble in Paradise kick to the head. 
and, and he um, wasn't in the match. That's no, he yeah, the he, he okay. was the outside yeah. the guy, yeah, out, out of the ring guy, which was weird. That's usually Xavier Woods' spot. Yeah, but uh, so so then he kicked Sheamus in the head. The ref saw it. That's a disqualification. And it was while Cesaro had a submission that was going to win the match. Oh sure, sure. I think is. that was the <laughs> well, no, but that that was. I mean, that was why it was happening. Yeah. And Cesaro gets to be upset. Okay, so yeah, I the re- other reason I didn't talk about that from what I saw before I decided to go to the bathroom. Uh, it wasn't a very good match. We're still, you know, still to the point where most of the the kind of storytelling and the way they want to work with Cesaro and Sheamus, they still have them in the sort of you know uh, dysfunctional yeah. uh, area, which. You can still do that, but let them have a good match. And I think the two of them could have had a good match with New Day before you have whatever dysfunction kick in yeah. uh, to make that happen. You can do that finish without those two being dysfunctional, you know, all the minutes up to that Absolutely. moment. Uh, so that's kind of annoying. They're still, you know, just being dysfunctional on Ross. That's, you know, it's whatever they want to do. dysfunctional tag team always bores me. Like, they, they've done it a thousand times, and it's just never anything I'm that interested in. I... I the thing is how long and yeah i don't like i want to go back and look at the different ones that i was okay with growing up and try to figure out am i just being you know too in the moment yeah. is it too much like you know uh we're, like, we're the millennial generation yeah. with all this different stuff that we can do so we can't wait a the week rock, for storylines mankind yeah uh, like stone I, cold and dude love so when i watch that how long were those dysfunctional moments before they finally got on track my guess is they're probably as long as this Cesaro Sheamus thing, and I'm yeah. just ignoring that. And right now I'm just like, gimme, 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 which I'm, I don't think I'm ready for this. We're, on the next podcast, we're going to have to do the Survivor Series preview and recap. I didn't even tell Wade we're going to do this. I'm putting <laughs> this on him now. We're doing two uh, two weeks apart. Uh, that's, that's three weeks from now. Uh, so, yeah, I think then I'll have my little, you know, spiel about, how the fans might be more of the problem. I mean, I mean, I've I've been ripping on the fans a bunch, but I'm gonna have an actual theory on the the fact that the fans are the reason WWE is worse now, not just WWE. Yeah, no, you should absolutely rip on the fans. I yeah. think the fans absolutely ruin NXT shows. That's why I only watch the pay per views because they just want to take over, and like like everyone is just so like they just want to be a part of it and they want to start a chant and oh we chanted this and it's it's just like. Shut up. Like, see, but you say NXT shows. They're doing this yeah. on Raw, on SmackDown, on the pay per view. I don't, I, I, I rolled Fucking my eyes. Marks. I rolled my eyes so many times during the Hell in the Cell when things were actually about to go good. Yeah. Like, I'm saying about to go good. So it's like, oh, you guys, are, the, the match is building up. You don't get to go to a This is Awesome chant. You don't get to go to a holy shit chant. It's like, no, that, that ruins the, the yeah. spot that they're about to get to, the thing that's about to happen is going to be ruined because y'all came your pants too early in this they, match. They did the same thing on Raw, like, while uh, Owens and Jericho were out there putting the boots to Roman. They're all chanting, we want Rollins. Hold your horses. Like, like he's going to come out. We all know he is. Just relax. It just reminds guess, me. Guess what happened when he came out? I didn't give a shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It reminds me of, I, I went to a Foo Fighters concert one time, and from the first song to the last song, this guy behind me just kept chanting, play Everlong, play Everlong. We're like, yeah, I, dude, that's the last song they play. Like, it'll be okay. That, 
I that, get hated on for liking Foo Fighters that, all the time. No, no, I'm fine with Foo Fighters. <laughs> uh, I just knew exactly what you were gonna say. That yeah. the guy's just sitting there wanting Everlong. The and it's time. like you Play son of a bitch. Everlong. And then when they finally when they came back and played Everlong, guess who wasn't sitting behind me anymore? <laughs> Nowhere to be found was that drunk dickhead. <laughs> He was in a gutter somewhere. Hopefully. Uh, so, yeah, now that we're done talking about Foo Fighters and terrible fans <laughs> that need to be in gutters, uh, I'm going to admit to me being a terrible fan and maybe just being wrong about things. Yeah. Uh, the next match, Cruiserweight, TJ Perkins versus Brian Kendrick. I say wrong. I was right about the match. Uh, I, I didn't go through to actually count, but I feel like I'm winning, uh, mostly from this match, me yeah. getting it right and you getting it wrong, because almost everything else, we, we were on the same page. Uh even I was ready to pick Charlotte over Sasha Banks, but I didn't pull the trigger on it. Yeah. Uh, but all the other matches, we were pretty much on the same side. So the the winner, the the one up, was me picking Brian Kendrick for no <laughs> apparent reason. Uh, but I had said before that, like I don't understand Brian Kendrick being the number one contender because sure you need somebody with a personality, somebody yeah. with some sort of recognition from the fans. Well, because that's why he's the only one with any personality. You. It's not even just personality, but like. He's been there before. He's yeah. a you know champion from uh, 2009 is uh, the longest running champ before New Day. Yeah, and that's something that helps, especially with T.J. Perkins, where he does good in ring work, but uh, personality-wise, he's worthless. I agree. And somehow Brian, but Brian Kendrick's level of heel, uh, minus the weird like plea for T.J. Perkins to just let him win, yeah. that was a terrible segment. It but, was. But other than that, Brian Kendrick's heel take has made the <laughs> T.J. Perkins Goody Two Shoes face. Yeah. Uh, to it, it was fine. Like it wasn't good, but I ignored it enough because Brian Kendrick just kind of made it work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was far enough on the other side of that face heel dynamic to kind of let it go, and. I don't know. I enjoyed that match, and I sort of enjoyed Brian Kendrick uh, talking to Booker T in the... I don't even want to figure out what the name of the talk show oh, is. Oh. Raw Talk or Raw... Raw Talk. I think it is Raw Talk. That's so dumb. The fact that I just put what... like I took the name of the brand and yeah. threw whatever <laughs> word, and it happened to be the right answer makes me very angry, but... Brian Kendrick having that conversation. Now, he didn't get into talking about reptilians, which I thought would have been great. And then I think Dan <laughs> O'Brien stole my joke on uh, Talking Smack this week. Yeah. I think he threw down that joke, and I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it, Brian Kendrick, you know, does his little routine where he's, you know, he's saying, oh, I only asked him to lay down because, you know, I'm getting into his head. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a smarter wrestler. I'm not I'm not over the hill because I'm 38 sure. in a tiny cruiserweight. Sure. Uh, so he does the whole thing and then at some point says he's better than Booker T. And I love it because there's only a certain level of uh, kayfabe that you can really do when you're talking <laughs> to Booker T. Uh, I just, you know, like flashbacks to him fighting Batista in the back room. Like, I, that's all I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Like, because Booker T looks genuinely pissed. And he's not a good actor. So I know it's, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, I know it's pretty real. And so Brian Kendrick's doing it. And you just see Booker T just like has to calm himself down. And I, I, I thought that was entertaining. I thought Brian Kendrick might be the guy to actually make that stay entertaining for a while. At least give TJ Perkins time to kind of get over with the mainstream the you know the the flagship shows raw smackdown to yeah. get over with the actual main fans before you know it's like you're not going to do it through the promos that he does so if you give him enough times and you give him somebody brian kendrick to stay on the mic uh it seems to have worked out i i was wrong that was probably the best scenario i don't know who else they could have thrown in we'd have seen better matches if we threw in some of the other uh you know tony niece it's the only name i really know you know because he's got the 18 <laughs> packs Metallica? Uh, Metallico? There's like a 
Swan, something. Rich Swan, Rich Swan is a name one. I've heard. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple. Rich Swan's one where he has the charisma. I was watching NXT, mm-hmm. and he has the charisma, but he has no mic skills. Like <laughs> uh, he's really terrible on the mic. So it's it's it, that that's a tough way to like. Well, we could push him, but like, we let him dance a lot. But like, don't ever let him talk. Uh, How many wrestlers are we gonna have that dance now? Too many. Too many <laughs> is the answer. Uh, so yeah, I I. I I was wrong. I'm just going to admit that I, I was wrong. The way they went with it worked. That was the yeah. best way to do it. And they're probably in the best position that they could have been considering. It's a very confusing dynamic that they have uh, letting the cruiserweights come in for part of Raw occasionally, but mostly to have them on NXT. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand it. But in terms of how to get the fans to kind of, you know, get a taste uh, before they, you know, make them. I guess mainstays. I don't know what their plan actually is, I have no but whatever idea. it is, it's working really well. Uh, so uh, what did you think of that match, Wade? Well, that's when I took my piss break. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because well, I saw the promo he was cutting before there, you know, like, Oh, I need this win, you know, like, let me win. And I, and I, I told my brother, I was, I was, I was like, I, I, I kind of know what's going to happen here. Like he's going to, you know, like, Oh, be pleading and then probably roll him up and win. And so I was done. I walked away from that. Like, and like I wasn't that wrong off, <laughs> like he did plea and then did that did end up winning and j- just not by a roll up I don't think I didn't watch it. <laughs> um, I just I like I have just completely lost interest in the cruiserweights. Um, now, back when WCW Nitro was a thing, like the, the the cruiserweights were like part of like my favorite one of my favorite things on the show because it was like a lucha libre style match most of the time. Like I think the problem. With the cruiserweights in WWE now, is that they're they're cruiserweights, but they're not really wrestling cruiserweight style. Like they're wrestling WWE style, but that doesn't make them different. Like they're trying so hard to make them different with the with the purple belt and the purple lights, and they always have all these different you know um, emblems come up. You know, oh well, this is the cruiserweight division, and they're separating themselves from the rest of of the Raw brand, but yet they're having the same style matches as, as as Raw. Um, and I think that's mostly, that's probably a Vince McMahon thing is cause he wants people to, you know, like as much as people don't want to say there is, there is a WWE wrestling style and it's, you know, face the hard camera and do all of this. And, and that's not going to really work with cruiserweights because the cruiserweights need to have those Lucha Libre cruiserweight style matches. If they're going to be, if, if they're going to separate them and make them purple and give them all their different colored ropes and everything, then they need to let, let them wrestle their style of match because, it just looks like little guys having the same matches that all the big guys are having. And, and it just kind of like takes away from, if you're going to separate them, let them be separate. Um, and, and it just hasn't been, it's just been kind of like you could describe it as anywhere from shit to fucking shit. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just been really just mediocre. Like, like, like besides Brian Kendrick, I really don't know. Like I, I know their names, but I don't know who any of the other wrestlers are. Like, they don't have established characters. Like, are you a heel? Are you a bad guy? Why are you wearing a mask? Why are you dancing? Like, who who are you? And they just, well, this is my name. I'm going to dance, and this is my, my match. And, like, I, you don't know anything about the people. And that might just be, be because I didn't watch the Cruiserweight Classics, so I could just be ignorant. But they haven't done anything on Raw to let me know who they are. And that's part of what they have to do. They can't assume that however many people watch the cruiserweight classic uh at most uh looking at whatever the numbers are you know in the hundreds of thousands uh of potential uh 
well, you, you could take whatever number millions of people that have the yeah. WWE Network, and if you start thinking of how many have actually watched the Cruiserweight Classic as of a, as opposed to the other things that are on the WWE Network, uh, you're looking at maybe a hundred thousand if you're being generous of yeah. people that actually watch it. Fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very small percentage of the people that are going to be watching Raw on a nightly basis, whether that's in the arena or on TV. And you have to have you can't assume there's like well to know the characters you have to go to cruiserweight classic you have to yeah. do that but i mean if you're gonna do it that way you know i'm i i think the way they did with brian kendrick that was the best way i i've been fairly entertained by the brian kendrick uh tj yeah. perkins thing. i have to ignore uh tj perkins on the mic i have to ignore part of that uh but it ends up being a decent match and the way the finish wasn't just him like pleading it was you know yeah. he ended up actually physically abusing tj perkins which is what he needs to be yeah he needs to be the the dickhead cruiserweight who's just abusing all of these yeah, uh, at least wrestlers we can have one bad guy yeah yeah so th- i that's the way to do it uh i would say I, i'm still impressed by some of the stuff with the other wrestlers i just think you know you you, you can't really bring in some of the guys and establish their storylines because you know there's already people that are like why is this taking up part of our yeah. show and you know it, it's already so weird just throwing them out there randomly mm-hmm. to do a whole nother extra segment. Uh, it's tough. I, I, WWE's yeah. in a weird position to make it happen. I think mostly they're just going to keep it going on until finally we're just yeah. used to it and we just accept it. Same way they do everything. Just beat you over the head with it until you're, until Eventually. you're fine. And then it'll just disappear without them ever, ever mentioning it going to leave. Uh, but like, even like all those WCW luchador guys, like like I never knew like like I knew the names, but you didn't know like is that he's a good guy, is he a bad guy? Like you didn't know any of them, but it was just a different style of match than you were going to see the rest of the night, and like you looked forward to it. And this is just another match, like and I hate TJ Perkins knee bar, man. Like I just like I'm not a big fan of submission finishers, anyways, but like definitely not on a cruiserweight and. Definitely not on just a knee bar like that, that that everyone just gets away from the whole time. Like you, he puts it on twelve times and they get out of it every time. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say the other thing with the cruiserweights trying to be something that's <clears throat> different style wise. One of the problems is the most of the mid card. We've talked about this before. You know, uh, with Sami Zayn running mm-hmm. around, there's very little that distinguishes him from what would just be a cruiserweight match. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, obviously. Uh, different a slightly different fighting style but not by a lot not by a lot no. uh especially when you're comparing it to that the, very very the, the kind of cruiserweight uh, from back then neville you can throw neville in there like he has very like like cruiserweight style matches and even with big guys um yeah yeah especially neville's man he's so good i haven't seen him in too long i feel they're not doing enough with neville i think is part no of it. And, uh, and i think there's a, a, a has a lot to do with just like his face <laughs> like he's such just a weird looking guy and, and he's kind of got like like a British accent which just gets like you can forget all about how smooth he sounds with it because of his lisp um and I, like I saw him in Japan and like like Japan was actually smart and like they put a mask on him and he was fantastic <laughs> so yeah they, they could probably do that with Neville and get him I you know some I, I don't know about T, I think TJ Perkins uh the in-ring work uh, it's probably good enough, but man, throw Neville down there and have him against Tony Nese. I'd watch that cruiserweight match. Absolutely. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know how you sell it and how you pick who's the, the face and the heel in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, good luck with that Vince. Uh, but yeah, I totally, I totally watched that match and I don't know. I wanted to be nice to the cruiserweights, but you just came in to shit all over. Them, <laughs> <like>. <laughs> it's, just, it's so boring. <laughs> so we've gotten through the actual matches for 
Hell in a Cell. And as I mentioned earlier, we were actually going to do the preview of the Survivor Series 1 as part of the Big Four. So cool. uh, we're going to make sure that there's a preview and a review. So we're going to wait for most of our takes on that. And there's not a lot of the matches in right now. I'm looking at it right now. And yeah, it's a lot to be determined still. Yeah, m- m- the only thing they have really is, uh, you know, the three Team Raw versus Team SmackDown matches. Yeah. And even those still have uh, to be determined participants in those matches. Yeah. And then, obviously, the only one that we can <laughs> talk about is, I guess real quick, I guess Dolph Ziggler has the open challenge for any Raw superstar to face him for the Intercontinental. Yeah. So there's somewhere that could go, but we'll talk about that as we get closer to it and have more idea interesting. Uh, what's happening. Uh, but Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, it's been some really bad promos, some really bad just... It's Paul Heyman involved, and it's still not very good most uh-uh. of the time. Uh, so wait, why do I still want this? <laughs> well, like because on paper, Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg sounds like as good as a match could ever be. Like it sounds just like, well, we're going to have Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior. This is going to be fantastic. And it's not <laughs> like it, it was it, like, it's the same thing. You got two huge guys with, with huge egos, um, like like in a video game, it, like it's it's a, it's a dream match, but 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 that's just it. it it's a dream that it's going to be a good match, um, and it should be. God damn it! Like if you just put it on a video game and simulated it, like oh man, that'd be killer. How many spears and F fives and 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 suplexes? But like, you, I don't think we're gonna see. Like ever since Brock Lesnar's returned and beat the Undertaker, it's just been him squashing people like from, from the Undertaker to Cena to Randy Orton, Dean Ambrose, just, he's just been destroying them all. And I don't think Goldberg's going to just like Goldberg. He's looking old. He doesn't look as big as he used to. He keeps coming out there in those leather jackets. And I, and I think he's trying to hide like his physique maybe, um, cause that's the only thing I could like, like, why wouldn't Goldberg come out there looking big and scary like Goldberg? He's hiding everything under this big leather jacket. And like, it was the fact that he's an, he's an old man now, you know, he, he was out the door 12 years ago and he was getting old then. And, uh, it's, I don't know, like on, like on, on paper in a video game, in a movie, like Godzilla versus King Kong, you know, like it's going to be the craziest thing you can see, but in real life, like they're not going to bump for each other. I really like, I hope they do. Like I, I want to see Goldberg get taken to Suplex City, and 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 and, and I want to see Goldberg, you know, just pick up and body slam Brock Lesnar. But I don't think either one of them are going to let that happen. Yeah, and you bring up a good point with all of the. I was thinking the same thing with the the big jacket and the jeans and everything. And I was like, what? Why two weeks in a row? And you already knew last week you were sweating like freaking yeah. crazy. And you know, we mentioned before one of the things I was worried the most about was you know. I'm not willing to just admit that Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg can't work in a match. Uh, it, maybe it can't work now. Uh, but the idea that, well, it was so bad, you know, mm-hmm. 12 years ago, uh, w- there were a lot of uh, factors that can cause that. And I still think that if you, you know, had a different reason for it, you had two uh, wrestlers who were in a different mindset, it could have worked. Yeah. Uh, the biggest problem I thought going in was going to be Brock Lesnar's ego. Because uh, obviously, you know, Goldberg already showed he's very emotional about this. Like he like wants this to be a big thing. You know, he, he wants this to be important. So clearly he's in it, you know, uh, the issue being from his side 
is he still able to do anywhere close to what he's doing? Because they can't be this smart. Uh, I'm going to lay this out. I'm going to lay this out for you. All right. So he goes on to uh, to ESPN and gives that terrible interview I talked about, which I actually mm-hmm. saw him. He did the rounds on ESPN a little yeah. while back, and I didn't see all of it, but I watched a little bit, and he actually gave good interviews. I'm like, son of a bitch, Goldberg. You're trying to make <laughs> me wrong and shit. Uh, but he goes and he gives that first interview, and the only thing that he really sold at all very well is that he's like, I'm so worried that I'm not that guy anymore. Yeah. You know, like, I, Ric Flair can do this, but I can't. You know, like, I, he could still be that character at this yeah. age, but, you know, you can't just still be Goldberg at 49. And you just think it's a ruse. And then he comes out and, you know, this last week goes into the ring with uh, Rusev and because Rusev comes out as uh, Paul Heyman is doing some. Yeah, it was a really ridiculous gimmick. It was you say Brock Lesnar is going to come out tonight and then the music plays and Paul Heyman's laughing like a hyena in the corner. Then Goldberg is ready to kill him. And it's like, yeah, that was great. And then now Rusev comes out because sending Rusev out there to be slaughtered every time they just keep all the time. But he's elastic because it hasn't hurt him. Like no. it, he he's just been destroyed by Roman Reigns. However he many bigger times. than Goldberg, and that's where we're kind. Of, <laughs> that's that's where we're in a, a weird position because Rusev talks crap, hits him one time. Goldberg, you know, just doesn't respond to it at all. So yeah. to show how badass he is, and then he goes in the clinch and hits one knee and falls down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It has to get uh, Rusev just sits there waiting for him all nice to get back up and then and then he gets back. (laughs) I'll help you up so you can give me a jackhammer. Yeah, and so he goes. The jackhammer didn't look too bad, but he also took him down very fast. You know, Goldberg tends to hold him up there for a while, and he does it quickly, but it wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. Then he goes and tries to spear Paul Heyman over Rusev's body. Yeah, and that was bad, but. I don't know if you can hold it against them for it being against uh, Paul Heyman, but the the fall to set up the jackhammer is that ring rust or it's WWE genius? <laughs> and they set this up. We are gonna go in. He's wearing the big jackets, and we're gonna start having people on social media questioning mm-hmm. whether Goldberg is even big enough to wrestle. You're gonna start seeing TMZ getting pictures of Goldberg like working out. Like, is he still as big as he used to be? Imagine that level of publicity going into Survivor Series, and then all of a sudden Goldberg—he's—we've only seen him in like eighteen layers of affliction. Yeah, <laughs> and all of a sudden Goldberg is in the ring, and he looks like Goldberg. He also has an extra month to make sure he's in that shape yeah. before that match, and we all lose our freaking minds. WWE, your play here. I mean, like, he is a part-timer, like, technically, so, you know, get on them roids. If, <laughs> if, if Brock Lesnar can, I mean, The Rock clearly is. Like, you, you know, go ahead. Like, all these part-timers, like, Triple H, McMahon, like, they look way better than the rest of the, <laughs> the, rest of the roster because they're all just juiced to the gills, man. I just thought of, like, the, the, the fourth match at uh, Survivor Series instead of the Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, the mm-hmm. fourth one, it should be the part-timers versus whoever the <laughs> hell... I'd watch that match. That would be fun. Yeah, whoever you're just going to just send out here to get just... <laughs> we're going to do all of our finishers to him real quick. So, yeah, that is our one preview of Survivor Series uh, right yeah. now. A lot to be announced still. Lot, lot still going on and a lot... Like, you know, things change as we get closer and there's a lot of stuff. We'll make guesses and, you know, we won't have all the information. Uh, so, we'll... I, I really enjoyed the one that we did. Uh, the one we did for SummerSlam. I enjoyed uh-huh. doing it a preview and... 
I think great. in the, I think in the future we might end up trying. I mean, they have too many pay per views, so it makes it nearly impossible. But I'd love to do it where we do a preview and a review for each one of yeah. the pay per views. Obviously, uh, we're both extremely busy, so I don't know when that'll happen. But that'll be the future of the Tell Me More <laughs> Wrestling <laughs> podcast for you know you six people that keep listening. Thank you guys. Thanks. Yeah, we we love you so much. I do. Uh, yeah, we made it through. Uh, we could have we could have talked a little bit about the Raw versus SmackDown this week, but I mean, we talked about it before going on. I'll, I'll just give you the floor here to talk about it. Uh, what do you think of Raw and SmackDown this week? Um, I thought Raw was fairly good. Um, as, as I was kind of telling you before this started, like the way it's been going since the brand split, I think Raw's been making pretty decent TV, but having shit pay per views. But SmackDown, I've been finding to be, like, almost unwatchable lately. Like, the pay-per-views are still good, but the SmackDown itself, like, is just, like... If I have to see James Ellsworth one more time, I'm going to lose my shit, man. You're not a big like, fan of James Ellsworth? Like, he, he was good. Like, 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 oh, he's funny. This chinless guy is going to do something. Oh, no chin music. That was hilarious. No chin music made me laugh so loud. But, like, at this point, he has completely worn out his welcome with me. I'm tired of his piss-poor acting. I'm tired of his, his no chin and his offspring tattoos. <clears throat> I'm just like, I'm over James Ellsworth. I'm over the spirit squad. Get rid of them. Like like they suck now that like 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 they suck then and now they're old and suck. Like like get them out of my face. Quit bringing the headbangers back to lose. Like they don't even get entrances. It's just like, "Oh, surprise, the headbangers are here and they're here to lose again." That was very fast too. It's like, "What's the point of bringing them back if they're just jobbers now?" Like who decides to do that? You're like in yeah. your 40s and you're like, "I guess I'm back as a jobber now." And like bringing them back with no like pomp and circumstance or anything. It's just like, "Oh, oh, by the way, here's the headbangers from 20 years ago and uh, there they went." And and you might see them again in a couple months when they just show up again and lose. Like I just I don't know, man. Smack like it's just like they're giving so much time to the Miz, and I can't stand the Miz. Like I skip over everything he's on because I, I I can't stand his face, his voice, his stupid clothes. Like, so SmackDown's just been getting like real rough for me to watch lately. Like James Ellsworth, I'm skipping it. The Miz, I'm skipping it. Um, most of the girl matches on there, they aren't near as quality as the ones on Raw, so they get skipped. And or at least not watched. I'm probably tweeting or, or, or doing something during it where I'm not paying that much attention to it because it's just like, it's almost like talking smack has been the best thing about SmackDown. <laughs> like, since the brand split, as far as I'm concerned. And now we finally have the one topic where we get to be split on this <laughs> and we get to actually argue because we've been, we've been on the same side of most things throughout this podcast. I like SmackDown better, yeah. uh, and I know we're watching it in a different way, and we'll let the fans know. Uh, I've been watching. I, I record it, and I don't always get to watch it the night of. Uh, you know, I, I have homework to do, and then I end up not doing the homework, and I watch it on the night of. But <laughs> I, I record it on DVR, and then I and then I watch it through. Um, you watch it on Hulu. I do. And Hulu, you know, Raw is a three-hour show. SmackDown is a two-hour show. Mm-hmm. And when you cut out the commercials for SmackDown, it ends up being, what, like a hour 40 yeah um about about, an hour and a half give or take a little bit so that's when smackdown cuts it for hulu it's 
mostly just the commercials. Yeah. Uh, when they cut it for Raw, Raw is also taken down to an hour and a half. Yeah. So they cut out just whatever they don't like. And it's, and it's usually normally... Like it's only about one match that gets cut from Raw, maybe one match and a couple backstage promos. Because like if you're watching the actual three hour thing, it's only about an hour forty five minutes of wrestling, and then another hour and a half of commercials. So like they don't edit that much out of it, but there is usually like usually a match I want to see or a backstage promo I'm interested in. Like usually gets cut, and I just have to get on YouTube and, and find it. So when I'm watching and I have the three hours to like fast forward through on my DVR. Raw annoys me anyways, and I I feel like generally they have the same level of garbage. Now it's different. There's a different level of hatred <clears throat> towards The Miz mm-hmm. or towards even, you know, uh, I, I know that you don't generally like the kind of uh, comic uh, relief efforts in the yeah. title picture, in the main title picture. Now, Dean Ambrose is killing me lately with that. Uh, I... I think it's perfectly it's perfectly fine. It's 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 not necessarily as entertaining as watching uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho do their version of yeah. it. Uh, there's is really good, but I, I think the last few weeks of having the AJ Styles uh, Dean Ambrose, at the very least, even if you don't <clears throat> like what it is, Dean Ambrose is doing a hell of a job doing that thing. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of guys who can do it as well as he's been doing it, doing the kind of uh, the jokester thing. And like I said before. He's supposed to be the lunatic fringe. I'd much rather him just be the lunatic fringe. Yeah. Uh, but at least pick one and stick with it. And if you're going to stick with it, Dean, you know, Dean Ambrose is putting in the effort to do that character. And I I thought it was funny. Uh, I wish it wasn't in the title picture. I wish, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. uh, stuff wasn't, you know, supposed to be the main event. The main event should be more serious, should have more gravitas. Uh, but I, I they're doing a good job with that. And for whatever reason... James Ellsworth every week. I'm waiting for James Ellsworth to be on AJ Styles' side. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's eventually going to happen. And so I'm waiting for it, and I like it. I don't know. Because it makes up for it. Because like, if you look at it from just the kind of WWE fan analytical perspective, it's like, why is AJ Styles, is he's just about to cement himself as, at this point, he's the MVP of WWE for yeah. 2016. Obviously, extra steps you have to do when you're kind of a smaller wrestler like AJ Styles is. But he's a good enough wrestler that he gets over with the fans as a world champion, as a main eventer. And you then make him lose to James Ellsworth twice in a row. Uh, you do it like <clears throat> it. It's right at the time that he's 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 for sure the the top guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't just say the face that runs the place. Yeah. He gets to be that guy, and it's bad timing, unless. James Ellsworth flips to AJ Styles, and it was clearly a ruse oh, yeah. to screw over Dean Ambrose at the right I, time. I, I think that's and that what makes, they're going for. And that helps AJ <clears throat> Styles, especially with the kind of heel that he is. Some people don't like it. I think he's doing a perfectly fine job in terms of what the story is. And then when you look at The Miz, I think the biggest problem with The Miz right now, I do enjoy The Miz as a heel when there's the Ugh. right person when there's the right person beating the crap out of him. <laughs> And that's not Dolph Ziggler. Neither in the ring where Dolph Ziggler doesn't have an extremely brutal fighting style. It's, you know, uh, it's much about athleticism, speed, like a lot of technical wrestling. That's fine. Mostly selling other people's moves. But you're not beating the crap out of the person you're facing. So I've always enjoyed watching the Miz get beat up in the ring. Then Miz get made fun of outside the ring. Dolph Ziggler is terrible at as well. So Miz gets to be the yeah. focal point of those. So I don't like that. I wish there was somebody better for him to end up facing. Uh, but you said that the women matches are better. I think 
Charlotte versus Sasha have been better. Mm -hmm. But when you start looking up and down the SmackDown roster, like I've mentioned before, I really like Alexa Bliss. Yeah. I think she's doing a great job. Becky Lynch, great job. Uh, Naomi's a pretty good wrestler. And I'm missing somebody. I'm trying to think of who the other people are. Nikki Just Bella. not naming Nikki Bella and Carmella. Nikki Bella's been fine. No, as long as Natalia. she's... Natalia hasn't even wrestled. She just no, keeps talking in the yeah. back about her cats. I'm a coach. She's got paws, something, yeah, Instagram. something. I don't know what the joke is anymore. But anyways, uh, Nikki Bella's been fine in, in the ring. As long as she's not the main eventer, which is what she was before yeah. the injury, like being supposed to be the the, the, the top uh, female superstar. Clearly, she's not of that level. But she's been fine other than that. Carmella is terrible, and it kills me. <laughs> She's so bad, and she was. So and we mentioned this before. She was about to be the one that got the push over Alexa, and I was, I was about to be angry. I know that was, it was too much for me. But other than that, the matches, the none of them are on the level of Charlotte and Sasha. But mm-hmm. they have more women's matches that are usually of pretty good quality. They just stopped doing the Carmella Nikki thing. I think they might have a more well-rounded women's division. I'm finding any way to support them right now <laughs> and say SmackDown's better. And then there's. The, of all the stuff, I know you love Kevin Owens, so you're kind of in on that. Mm-hmm. I just love the Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt stuff. And I don't know where they're going with it Dude, now. I <laughs> hate it. <laughs> I can't stand it. Like, I know what's going to happen. Like, they're yeah. going to do the same thing. Like, they already did this shtick once with Daniel Bryan, where Daniel Bryan joined the Wyatts. Spoiler alert. No, he didn't. It was all a ruse, and he tricked you hayseeds. <laughs> and now he's going to... Oh, he's going to... But at least... Daniel Bryan like tried to dress like one of the Wyatts. Randy Orton's still coming out there in his little tribal underwear. It's true. Uh, I liked everything before that. Let's making mention. his eyes glow. Let's, Jesus. Let's, let's point out. I liked everything before Tuesday night, and I guess before <laughs> you know bef- before the turn the week before. Uh, but I think they could turn it into something more with the way that they're clearly going with it, and that's that Luke Harper is just jealous as shit of Randy Orton. That turns into something because a Randy Orton Luke Harper match down the road. Yeah, I'm excited about. I that would be really cool. I I I, I will sing the praises of Luke Harper. He is like the most underrated wrestler WWE has right he now. He needs a new finisher, and this I'm I'm, I'm just gonna keep attacking. No, the, that the, clothesline's so good. Man. I hate it. I love it. It. <laughs> see, now we found the next yeah, thing that no, we disagree. It's a good one. I don't. I, Maybe not the discus, like like if the spinning motion, like if if he would just hit the clothesline from hell, like JBL, yeah. no, like, yeah. and just do the clothesline. I think it would be better. The discus, t- like the impact isn't there. Yeah, the buildup, like you know him doing the bow and arrow thing, would be fine. Yeah, but that's I, too many things. That's too much time before I, you hit the person. And I feel like he used to hit it a lot harder. Like I feel like he used to do the spin a lot faster because it was just like it used to be just like out of nowhere he would just kind of do the spin around boom clothesline out of nowhere and he clothesline the shit out of him and, so and that would be fine but watching like the bow and arrow I, I guess I don't know which part to get rid of get rid of the bow and arrow thing yeah, get or rid get rid of the spin but when he's doing it and then it's the it could be partially the other person but he hasn't successfully hit that in a way yeah. that's been like every time there is just stumbling from the person who has to turn into it. Uh, I don't know what it is, but a lot of the stuff lately, I'm going to go on a wild tangent again. Uh, AJ Styles doing the kind, the uh, over the rope, like uh, tornado DDT. Yeah. They all, they never set it up right. No. And so Dean Ambrose and and this last week, he goes over and AJ Styles is outside the ring for a good two seconds. And Dean Ambrose had like 
like walked in the wrong spot and mm-hmm. realized it. And then he like hobbles yeah. forward a little bit and then he waits for it. And he's just like, cause AJ Styles, I don't know if he's like, doesn't want to do it until Dean Ambrose is in the right spot. So he hesitates. Dean hesitates. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're just staring at each other. It's like Dean's like holding his arms out waiting. Like I'm going to catch you guy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, and they, I, I've, I love that move. And the last like three or four times I've seen AJ Styles do it, it's just been butchered. I've noticed that a lot with a lot of matches lately. It's just like people just don't seem to be right where they need to be when they need to be. Everything's just a little off. Um, and I, I've just noticed it a lot lately. And I, I don't know if that's just people being sloppy or just common mistakes or what it is. But I, I have been noticing that quite a bit that people are just like, oh, oh, nope, kind of stuttering because that's, that's where you're supposed to be. And they kind of, yeah, got to do the zombie walk to, to their actual mark they're supposed to be hitting. <laughs> is it possible that there's actually like <clears throat> wrestling right now in the WWE is just getting that more sloppy or are we just watching too much wrestling? Are we watching too much WWE that it now could, we've seen so much mistakes because the volume? That's of what I was viewing. just saying the other day. It's kind of like like I've seen The Dark Knight. That's like my favorite movie, and I've seen it so many times that like now when I watch it, I pick it apart. I'm just like, oh, these dummies in the background saying these stupid lines that don't even matter. Like I think that might be what it is. Like I've just watched so much, and I watch so much every week. Like there was like what. Six, seven, eight, like eight hours of wrestling to watch this week. That's just the main shows and the pay-per-view to get through. Well, even more than that, because the pay-per-view was four fucking hours long. Jesus. So four hours of that, three hours for Raw, seven, eight, nine, nine hours of wrestling. And that's just the main shows and the pay-per-view. That's so much, man. (laughs) It's a lot. And, you know... I still don't. I love to bitch. That's another issue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a bitch a lot. I'm really good at it. I keep getting better every week while WWE keeps going down and losing ratings. Yeah. My bitching is top notch. It's on a hundred right now. Uh, so I, I always think about that. Like how much is just me getting upset at something. And so then I try to go back and watch some of the older pay-per-views and nostalgia just hits me so hard that I know it's not, it's not a like an unbiased like way to, to figure this out. And I'm just like, Oh, I like this. Maybe I should just stop watching new wrestling and just keep watching all the old stuff on WWE network just yeah. constantly. Like, like I, I do feel like the old pay-per-views I go back and watch, I was just like, Oh, that was so good. <laughs> and like, if you think about it, it's, it's just as crap as what's yeah. on now. But like, I, you know, it's new to me again. Yeah. I mean, it's all the stuff like, uh, the characters, uh, anything that I'm watched from when I was like, you know, five to 10 or whatever, there's, mm-hmm. I'm just more attached to those characters. Yeah. It, it, and I guess it's the same thing with watching like football, you know, there's, it's the same stuff. And we can say that, you know, it's been, you know, pussified with the different rule changes yeah. and everything, you know, as we keep getting further into the future and people need to be more safe. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of the parallels to what we talked about, yeah. WB, a lot of the same issues, but to whatever degree, it's like, it still is the same thing. Yeah. I just don't have that same passion because, you know, I'm not eight and I don't realize the world sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Go see like, yeah, a lot of things just aren't as good as they used to be now that we're all worried about concussions and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> you just ruined it for Way us. Way to go, Junior Seau. Way to go. <sighs> Man. Just a lot of things like that. And I, you know what? We're done with this tangent because it's not—it's not getting any better. <laughs> no, it's, nobody who's listening cares about our whining on this. But we—we we got through all the things that we needed to get through. Uh, I was gonna look up like wrestling news and find out anything. I don't know if like there was just nothing important this week. 
yeah, the only thing I saw pop up was the Goldberg doing the ESPN little circuit. Yeah, uh, the calling T- out Seth Rollins. Uh, the TNA uh, thing is in the same place that it was. Yeah. It's a long, drawn-out legal process that didn't really, you know, it's uh, so nothing really on that front. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's always stuff about Paige being a psychopath and uh, um, Undertaker's coming back this month. That oh, there we go for the nine hundredth episode of SmackDown. The, 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 like it was just rumor, but I think they officially announced it today that the Undertaker will be at the nine hundredth episode of SmackDown. Whatever day that is this month yeah so that's that's exciting that is uh, exciting especially after seeing all of the different photos online yeah with that, him having crutches and stuff i guess he had had hip surgery yeah, or something that's which, why he was on the crutches which makes perfect sense mm-hmm. and i thought that when i saw the picture and everybody's like look at what wrestling's done to him I'm like are you serious you think yeah. that he can't like have crutches at some point in time yeah. you think like he's officially disabled yep he's, he's broken now like that, that was so dumb i wasn't <laughs> believing anything of that I was like well yeah he's he's a old guy that used to be an athlete like i'm sure he is having surgery on something <laughs> so. and, I, and part of it i guess was because he didn't have his hair dyed and whatever mm-hmm. else like, but he then he showed ju- up he showed up at the cavaliers game like with the with the, he, the, the full get ready up. yeah oh yeah and i was oh he's looking good dead man's back <laughs> he's coming to smackdown that's like hey that'll get me to watch smackdown that'll definitely get me to pay attention his matches aren't going to get better though. <laughs> like no. he's, but I, it's still good to have it, him. It, it, like it'll probably be something with him and Kane versus Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, maybe. Like, Undertaker and Kane versus the Wyatt family plus Orton. Yeah, yeah, maybe I could deal with that. Yeah, that'd be all right for a week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like it, it, it does like like the matches are a little better when when like because I think that was the Undertaker's last big run was last year when he came back and just teaming with Kane a bunch like. They were good. It was, you know, it was, it was better than watching a full Kane match. <laughs> <laughs> Kane's been good though recently. Yeah, I, I mean, good when, enough. He did do that, like that, that uh, clothesline off the top rope, which I haven't seen him do in years. So, like, that was cool. It's cool to see him do that again. That was a really good Kane move. I always thought. And I, I thought when they had the uh, Bray come out in the the casket, and then to have Kane come out of it. I mean, you knew it was going to happen, yeah. but it was still fun. Yeah, it was cool. I, I enjoyed that and. The matches itself, like he's he's looked pretty good considering like there's only so long you get to be the monster who still loses to everybody. Yeah, uh, and the the matches weren't good. He didn't put in the effort. And then over the last like month, I mean, I was like, why are Kane matches okay? Like, why are these? Ever since him and him and Wyatt had that match at whatever pay per view that was, where he backlash, was, was backlash. It? Yeah. Ever since then, Kane's been he's been all right. Like, it's starting to feel more like Kane. He's still not the big red machine, but it's better than him just going out there and jobbing to everybody. I mean, you're a seven foot demon. You're not supposed to just go and lose to everybody. It's weird that you turn around your entire like thought process and you like. I care about it because they give you one pay-per-view match finally yeah. like you win one is like yeah even even though it was clearly like hey to- maybe we should have him start winning <laughs> again we're on to something <laughs> even though bray wyatt should have won that fucking match yeah but <laughs> we, we we know how that one goes i was yeah. trying to i was looking up like uh god was it is bray wyatt uh like match results like they mm-hmm. had uh like I forget what the site is that actually has. Yeah, all the there's numbers. some database, and so I was looking at that and I was like, "Oh, Bray Wyatt actually has one pay per view match. I bet they're all tag team matches." And that's the thing; it doesn't Probably break all, it down, yeah. or like through some sort of fuckery or whatever. I think he's like not many though. Like I can't yeah. think of many pay per view matches he's won at all. 
Yeah, I was I was looking. I don't know what I don't remember the number. Once again, that was part of my research that like yeah. it's in the middle of the week. And I'm like, that's really cool. I'll look <laughs> into that more never because I have no time. But we're gonna get to the end of this podcast. Uh I'm sorry, guys. We we, we can't do an hour and a half podcast. That's utterly ridiculous. Sorry. So we're gonna save some of this for Survivor Series in three weeks. Get that going. Uh, you know, we gotta be excited about it a little bit, even though right now we don't know much. I'm n- yeah. I'm not, you know, excited about you know, Raw versus SmackDown team matches. It's kind of what I figured it was gonna be. What the hell is a five man tag match from each squad? That's like five times two, ten. There's twenty people in this match. Yeah, what I, the hell is happening? Th- that's what I was looking at. Like, there is a ten on ten match at some point, and I don't know how the hell that's going to work. Yeah, I don't know. Just sp- split it up if you have to. Just make another five on five match. Yeah. Why's like, it got to be ten? Is it going to be like two at the ring, two versus two, and then one team gets eliminated, the next set runs yeah. down to the ring? Like, And all I remember, like, the, all I remember for that is Mojo Rawley's involved, so I just quit playing <laughs> attention after that. So, yeah. Uh, all of those complaints. We'll have much more uh, scathing insight into the Survivor <laughs> Series uh, when we get there. But that is it for this edition of the Tell Me More Podcast Wrestling Edition with Mac Moore and Wade Christensen. Uh, come back in three weeks, y'all. Bye.